Welcome to Seekers and Scholars, a podcast from the Mary Baker Eddy Library in Boston and online at mbelibrary.org. The library's archives provide a wealth of resources on Mary Baker Eddy and the living history of the Christian science movement that she founded. Library programs explore the impact of Eddy's life work and writings in a wide range of disciplines. I'm Jonathan Eder, Programs Manager at the Library, and in the spirit of the holidays, I'm delighted in our discussion today to be exploring what the library's collections and the life and ideas of Mary Baker Eddy reveal about the transformation of Christmas in 19th century America, particularly in New England. So to take us on this journey, I'm so pleased to welcome to the broadcast Bronwyn Arthur, Assistant Editor of the Mary Baker Eddy Papers, and Judy Hunnicke, Senior Research Archivist at the Mary Baker Eddy Library. Hello and welcome, Bronwyn and Judy. Hi there. It's great to have you. You know, Bronwyn and Judy, I love your job titles, and I never get tired of hearing about the work you do. So tell me again, Bronwyn, what does it mean to be Assistant Editor of the Mary Baker Eddy Papers? Sure. Well, the Mary Baker Eddy Papers includes letters to and from Mary Baker Eddy, and also sermons and other documents. And what we're doing is we're publishing them online, along with annotations that give you helpful context as you're reading. So as the assistant editor, I'm just helping the whole process go smoothly, from our initial work on the documents all the way to their publication on our website, which is mbepapers.org. And you can also get there from the main library site. And then I'm also involved with sharing the papers because, you know, just our whole team's learning so much as we're working with these documents. We just want to share that with everyone. Well, it is terrific. I love diving into what's becoming a deeper and more uh, interesting uh, base of, of resources and materials all the time. So thank you so much, Bronwyn, for that work. And Judy, what's involved with being Senior Research Archivist at the Mary Baker Eddy Library? Well, I have the great job of answering historical research questions on Mary Baker Eddy and on the Christian Science Church. I research primarily in the library's collections, but I also dig into other archives and libraries because this helps us to gather background information, context that will help us in answering questions. I'm so pleased that I have your expertise to help guide us through this question of what our collections reveal about the transformation of Christmas in Mary Baker Eddy's time period. In doing some research on this topic, what came to me from cultural and religious historians is that there were three or four main influences that account for um, this big change from a Christmas in the early part of Mary Baker Eddy's life that in many parts of the country may have gone unnoticed or was treated with, with really little fanfare to by the end of the century, at the end of the 19th century, becoming something like the big behemoth holiday that we know today around Christmas. Um, some of the influences that these historians point out are the advent of a, a more commercial marketplace, a more commercial society in this time, the waning of a Puritan ethic that had dismissed Christmas celebrating as too pagan, and the rise of what has become known as the cult or religion of domesticity, which really wanted to center the family at the home as a place of comfort, as a place of warmth, and as a result, very much adopted the idea of Christmas as central 
to that ethic. So these were some of the the factors that uh, scholars have brought to light as to why Christmas underwent this huge cultural transition. So just to build on what I was saying, I'd love to share a clip from a previous broadcast that we did at the Mary Baker Eddy Library on this subject of the evolution of the holidays. Um, It's a clip from Professor Christopher Evans of the Boston University School of Theology about this question of the development of Christmas in Mary Baker Eddy's time period. It's amazing when you think about it uh, from the standpoint when she was a child in the 1820s, she was really connected, I think, to this very austere Puritan world. And when she died in 1910, I, I think she was living in the context of a, of a society that for many of us today in 2014, we would, we would probably recognize bits of it from, from the standpoint of the kind of modern commercialization of, of the holidays that, that many people take note of today. So it's remarkable in terms of just the, 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 the changes, the broader changes in American religion and culture she would have witnessed. And certainly a part of that would have been uh, the understanding of, of holidays like Christmas. So, Judy, with Christopher Evans' observations in mind, what can you tell us from your research about Eddie's experience and, and vision for Christmas? Well, I guess the first question some of our listeners might have is, how did Mary Baker Eddy and her family celebrate Christmas when she was growing up? Well, the answer is we really don't know. <laughs> While some celebration of Christmas was tolerated in the decades before Eddie's birth in 1821, this, as, as Chris mentioned, was disapproved by the vast majority of New Englanders. But that disapproval began to soften around the time of Eddie's childhood. There was much more religious diversity. And in addition, the Congregational Church, which was no longer the official denomination in New England supported by citizens' taxes, had become less strict, less puritanical in its attitudes and outlook. But let's not forget that New Hampshire, where Eddie was born and raised, was a bit of a holdout. It was the last New England state to recognize Christmas. It did not become an official holiday there until 1861. Eddie lived virtually her entire life in New Hampshire until about 1862. So there's no doubt her home state's conservative approach to the holiday influenced her Christmas experience. So tell us a little bit about Boston as a urban environment um, in which Mary Baker Eddy lived for, for many years and what it would have presented to her as an approach to Christmas. Well, that's interesting. As early as 1872, we can see that Christmas was celebrated in a way remarkably similar to what we commonly see today. A holiday focused on family, fun, children, presents, and even Santa Claus. Mm. So here's a quotation from the Boston Globe, uh, Christmas Day, 1872. It is rare that Boston has such a perfect Christmas Eve as she enjoyed this year for it seemed as if all the elements had conspired to make the occasion one of unqualified pleasure. At the first church on Arlington Street, a model entertainment was prepared for all the children of the parish, and the completeness of all the details speaks volumes of praise for those who had charge of the affair. An opportunity was given for all to compare notes and examine the contents of the packages direct from Santa Claus 
who was kind enough to superintend the delivery of his gifts personally. Most certainly, Christmas ought to be kept today by everybody in Boston. Mm. Now, this writer also commented on the old approach to the holiday. With what holy horror would the excellent Cotton Mather look down the long list of Christmas services to be celebrated today in this old Puritan city? In his time, the 25th day of December recalled, in its annual occurrence, no thoughts of the birth into the world of Jesus, the Savior of men. The stern religion of the pilgrims viewed with abhorrence all those festival days which the Church of England so dearly loved to commemorate. Indeed, Thanksgiving Day was established by our ancestors to take the place and banish the memory of this feast of our Lord's Nativity. And so, here in New England, it has only come of late years that Christmas Day has been generally observed. Well, that's interesting, Judy. Um, what else can you note in terms of data from your research into newspapers and, and other resources as to the increase of Christmas observation in Boston? Well, one thing that I found kind of interesting was that uh, at this point in 1872, scanning through the listings in the newspapers of Sunday sermons, they were not always on the subject of Christmas at that mm. time, mm. but they certainly became more holiday-oriented as time went on. Christmas is taking over Boston in the 1880s. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Bronwyn, I want to bring you in. Um, what do we have in our collections, uh, or do we have anything as examples of Christmas sermons by Mary Baker Eddy? Yes, um, we actually have two Christmas sermons that are published on the paper site. Mm -hmm. And the first one is titled The Nativity of Jesus, and that one was delivered on December 26, 1880, at Horticultural Hall in Boston. And then the second one was titled The Personal and Impersonal Savior, and that one was delivered on December 23, 1888, at Chickering Hall, which is also in Boston. And it's interesting that both sermons actually start from the same biblical text from Isaiah, for unto us a child is born, although um, you know they go differently from there. But they're just both really interesting sermons to explore. For each of these sermons, we have a couple of drafts, and so we include both of them on the site, and they're linked together, and you can read them. Mm -hmm. And then we add annotations, so if she just samples a little bit of a, of a Bible verse, we'll show you what the whole verse is um, on a pop-up, and so you can get a sense for how she's using the Bible throughout her sermon, and then other little details like that that might be helpful. Um, and actually, with the 1888 sermon, we have some additional related documents that we've included, too. So there's a draft of the Order of Services. There's a final copy of the Order of Services, which is what you would have received if you were attending uh, the service. And there's a copy of the tenants for some new members who are joining at that service. And so when you look at them all together, along with the annotations, um, you know, and everything's linked, so it's easy to kind of move between, um, you start to get a sense for what it might have been like to attend this Christmas service. You can see that um, one of the hymns was Joy to the World, and so you start to get a sense for what it might have been like to, you know, be at that Christmas service in 1888. Oh, that's great. Is, is it fair to say that it also gives you just a little bit of a glimpse into the working process of Mary Baker Eddy in putting this sermon together? Yeah, I think it definitely does. You know, some of the drafts might just be some notes and other ones may be more full 
um, there may be a part that starts out and then it might repeat later on. So you sort of are seeing the whole process of, um, you know, editing and just getting ideas onto a page as she's developing an idea for a sermon. Wow. So Bronwyn, in thinking about draft manuscripts, how do you think about them in, in relation to something that might have subsequently been published as the sermon? Well, with all of the sermons, we don't really know if the drafts we have are what Eddie actually delivered on the day of a sermon. However, the 1888 sermon was also published in the Christian Science Journal a couple months later, in February 1889, and then in Miscellaneous Writings. So the published versions show us what she hoped to communicate, even if we don't really know the exact relationship between the spoken sermon and what was written. Well, thank you so much, Bronwyn, for bringing us into Mary Baker Eddy's direct engagement with the subject of Christmas during the 1880s in, in Boston. I was wondering if, Judy, you had any final thoughts as somebody who's been working with Mary Baker Eddy and her ideas uh, and her history for a long time on what kind of stands out to you as something very important that she embraced around the subject of Christmas. Well, I'd just like to uh, quote from Eddie's 1905 essay for the New York World, which was titled, The Significance of Christmas. Mm. This is just an excerpt from it. Okay. The basis of Christmas is the rock, Christ Jesus. Its fruits are inspiration and spiritual understanding of joy and rejoicing, not because of tradition, usage, or corporeal pleasures, but because of fundamental and demonstrable truth, because of the heaven within us. Mm. The basis of Christmas is love, loving its enemies, returning good for evil, love that suffereth long and is kind. Those are words to, to really cherish at this time of year. Thanks so much for that, Judy. Sure. And Bronwyn, just anything you'd like to leave our listeners with as a final comment? Sure. Actually, an interesting editor's note that I just wanted to mention that was published a couple months after the 1888 sermon, The Personal and Impersonal Savior. Mm. Um, so this was in the April 1889 journal. And the editor's note begins... The sermon, The Personal and Impersonal Savior, that occupied the leading place in the February journal, is the author's worthy Christmas gift to the world. And then it talks about the importance of the ideas that are shared in the sermon. So you can just sort of see that this was a Christmas message for a specific time, but it was also a message that Eddie really hoped was going to be relevant to many people in really more of a timeless way, too. Mm. I just love that, and I hope that uh, some of the podcast listeners will want to come visit mbepapers.org, where mm. they'll be able to find these two sermons, along with other sermons by Eddie and letters and some special features that we've put on the site to kind of help you get started if you aren't quite sure where to begin as well. Well, thank you so much, Judy and Bronwyn, for giving us this very rich and and lovely insight into how Mary Baker Eddy was engaged with this subject of Christmas that was undergoing in American culture such dramatic and dynamic change in this period. Just so grateful for your contributions. Thank you. Very welcome. And thank you to our listeners. If you'd like to see examples of Mary Baker Eddy's Christmas sermons, please view the links within your podcast app or visit us at mbelibrary.org slash Christmas. Please tune in to our podcast next month on the power and purpose 
of intellectual property in the religious sphere. Our guest is Dr. Andrew Ventimiglia, who completed a fellowship at the Mary Baker Eddy Library in 2015, in which he researched Mary Baker Eddy as what he describes as an important copyright activist during a critical period in the development of intellectual property law. Ventimiglia's research on Eddy contributes significantly to his book, Copywriting God, The Mediation of the Sacred in Religion and Law, which is under contract with Cambridge University Press. I'm Jonathan Eder, Programs Manager at the Mary Baker Eddy Library. Thank you for listening to Seekers and Scholars. This podcast is produced by the Mary Baker Eddy Library. Copyright 2017.